Welcome again to the third episode of Atlanta Discuss. I am Ade Balogun, your anchor and host. Today we have a special topic, that's the January 6th insurrection. We want to look at the facts and what it means for democracy. It's going to be a two-part series. So today we go through the part one and we're just going to analyze the timeline of how the event came about. As you know, in Atlantic Discourse, we embrace humanity to disseminate positive news in a world filled with very bad news, give a voice to the unheard, balance the information equation, discussing the facts wherever it leads to, combining the best of all races to get the best out of mankind, serving as a bridge between the developing and the developed world, embracing art, sports, politics, IT, and faith-based issues. We never run away from the fact. So like I said earlier on, January 6th insurrection, the facts and what it means for democracy, this is part one. According to the Washington Post, in the six months since the January 6th Capitol attack, former President Donald Trump has played down the violence, even painting the insurrectionists as victims. But the facts, as we know, have revealed that since this national disgrace suggests that the insurrection was actually better planned and more dangerous than it seems on live television. The Justice Department announced recently they have arrested more than 535 people, an average of about three people every day since the January 6th uh, insurrection. The rioters did about a 1.5 million naira damage to the Capitol building. Estimates still ongoing. I'm sure it will be more than that eventually. The insurrectionists allegedly assaulted some 140 police officers. So far, authorities have charged 50 people with using deadly or dangerous weapons or causing serious bodily harm to an officer. But far more appear to have been involved. The FBI is still trying to identify more than 300 people investigators believe committed violent acts on the said day, including more than 200 believed to have assaulted police officers. These were not tourists. Court documents unsealed on Thursday Recently, that was last week, relating to the June 30 arrest of four Florida residents, provided arrowing details of some of these alleged assaults. One of the defendants allegedly charged the line of police officers and began throwing punches. Another allegedly stole a police officer's shield after I pulled the officer down the Capitol steps, then charged into a police line, and another allegedly thrust a flagpole into an officer's chair before raising it over his head and apparently striking an officer in the back of his head. The attack resulted in the death of one policeman and 138 reported victims. These are just a few of the countless examples of mayhem that have emerged since the January 6th event. Indeed, the alleged violence was not just the direct police authority. I've said that they have arrested six people for assaulting journalists or destroying their equipment. So it wasn't just directed at police, there were other victims. Prosecutors also argued that the havoc was far from spontaneous, assembling evidence that far-right activists planned the violence, even preparing a quick reaction force. Testimony from alleged participants suggests that members of the Oath Keepers stash guard in a Virginia hotel brought paramilitary gear, used military-style formation. This makes it look like a pre plan attack to assault the capital, conducted tactical training meetings in advance of January 6th, 
moved to erase what they describe as all side comes about the operations afterward. Because Republican senators rejected the January 6th commission, some questions about the assault might never be answered definitely, such as exactly as what Mr. Trump did and did not do while the insurrections attacked, insurrectionists attacked the Capitol. But this might not be the case again because the Speaker has commissioned our own committee in the House and they've started sitting already. So let's see where the fact leads on this. But prosecutors are showing that this was not just some run-of-the-mill riot. It was a violent incursion into the nation's seat of power, conducted by dangerous extremists and encouraged by the then president, who asked them to descend on Washington. This should not be another issue for partisan agreement. That's what we all think. That's what we, we are looking at right now. No Americans should minimize or forget the horror of January 6th. So that is that. So what we'll, we'll do for a start is, on Atlantic Discourse, we always look at the facts. We are never to the right, we're never to the left. We just try to disseminate the information the way we see it, and we try to be as fair and just as possible. So let's look at the timeline of events leading to the event of January 6th insurrection. Now we're going to start from about three months before then. Let's start from September 9, 2020. Now, September, September 29, to be precise. On September 29, we had a presidential debate and President Trump said to the proud boy, stand back and stand by. November 3rd was election day. November 9, I'm going to key dates and key timelines that led to the event. November 9, Oath Keepers member Jessica Watkins sent text messages inviting people to the Oath Keepers basic training in Ohio. Also on November 9, President Trump fires then Defense Secretary Mike Esper and replaces him with Christopher C. Miller as Acting Secretary. November 14th, over 10,000 people gathered in Freedom Plaza for the Million Man Maga March in support of President Trump's election fraud claims. Speakers include, but not limited to Alex Jones, uh, the popular majority Taylor Green, and a host of others. Mostly people from Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, and Three Percenters were in attendance. There were uh, some skirmishes between these Proud Boys and the counter-protesters throughout the day. At least 20 people were arrested and two DC police officers were injured. November 21st, Women for Africa First filed the permit application for a rally at the Lincoln Memorial for December 12th. The group's original application for a rally in Freedom Plaza was denied because of the inauguration preparation. December 7th, the Arizona Republican Party asked supporters whether they are willing to give their lives fighting over the election result. December 8th, General Mike Flynn received presidential pardon. He will later participate in the DC events of January 5th. December 12th, Proud Boys marched through Freedom Plaza in Washington, D.C. in advance of the pro-Trump rally scheduled later in the day. Also on December 12th, pro-Trump rallies in Washington, D.C. attracted thousands of Trump supporters protesting the election results, including numerous Proud Boys. Speakers include, but not limited to, Michael Flynn, Sebastian Goka, Alex Jones, uh, David Harris Jr., Nick Fuentes, Mike Lindell, just to name a few. On December 14, Joe Biden wins the Electoral College vote. Same December 14, Trump electors for Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, all of which Biden won in the election, cast purported electoral votes for Trump. 
The vote cast by the pro-Trump alternate electors had no legal standing. The pro-Trump groups in five states sent their fake electoral votes to the National Archive, but the National Archive did not forward this to Congress because the Electoral Count Act only states certified by by only results certified by states afforded to Congress. That was very clear, clear cut case. Also on the 14th of December, one American news releases a video about Trump's re-election effort with a voiceover stating supporters of President Trump are continuing to fight for four more years, stormed the nation's capital to participate in dwelling rallies. December 16th, <coughs> the National Council for the Three Percenters, the original group, one of the largest Three Percenters militias, popularly known, issued a statement alleging that there was widespread fraud perpetrated against the American people. The statement continues. We stand ready and are standing by to answer the call from our president, should the need arise. December 17, Representative Paul Gosa claims that Trump won Arizona because of the alleged data theft of 700,000 votes. December 18, Trump announced the January 6th rally on Twitter. Also on December 19, speaking at a rally in Arizona, Ali Alexandra appears to advocate for violence against Republican members of Congress who do not fight to overturn the election result. December 20, the domain name wildprotest.com is registered to host a website advertising a protest near the Capitol building from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on January 6th. December 22nd, Oath Keepers Florida chapter leader Kelly Meigs writes on Facebook, Trump said it's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. He wants us to make it wild, and that's what he's saying. He called us all to the Capitol and want us to make it wild. Gentlemen, we're heading to D.C. Park your shit. Also on December 22nd, George Papadopoulos received presidential pardon. He will later participate in the D.C. event of January 5th. December 23rd, Roger Stone received presidential pardon. He will later participate in the D.C. event of January 5th. December 27th, President Trump promotes the January 6th rally on Twitter again. December 30th, President Trump again announces the date of the January 6th rally on Twitter. Also on the 30th of December, the domain name March to Save America is registered. December 31st, by this date, the wildprotest.com website settled on a protest location just northeast of the Capitol building. That was the last day of the year 2020. Now, January 1st, 2021, the National Park Service grants a permit for a First Amendment rally March for Trump at the Ellipse to Women for America First, chaired by Amy Kramer, co-founder of the Women for Trump, with an estimated attendance of 5,000 people. Same January 1st, Trump tweets the date and time of the rally. He then tweets a supporter who wrote, The cavalry is coming, Mr. President. To which Trump responds, A great honor. January 2nd, 13 U.S. Senators, including Senator Cruz and Josh Hawley, along with 100 Republican members of the House, vowed to object to the election certification. Also on January 2nd, Amy Kramer of Women for America First announces a rally at the Ellipse in Washington, D.C. on December 6th, starting at 7 a.m. in the morning. On the 3rd of January, Trump announces that he will be at the Ellipse rally. Also on the 3rd of January, the Trump orders, former President Trump orders recently appointed Secretary of Defense Christopher Similar to do whatever was necessary to protect the demonstrators on January 6th. 
Also on the 3rd of January, Dustin Stockton, a former Breitbart employee helping to plan the Ellipse event, helped move speakers to the January 5th rally to make room for Trump to speak at the Ellipse rally. Also on the 3rd of January, on or about 1 p.m., protest at the U.S. Capitol is added to the January 6th rally announcement on the March to Save America website. Also on the 3rd of January, an internal Capitol Police intelligence report warns clearly that enraged protesters flanked by white supremacists and extreme militia groups are likely to arrive in Washington, armed for battle to target Congress on the 6th of January. Also on the 3rd of January, the National Park Service issues a permit to rally to survivors for the January 5th rally at the Freedom Plaza. The permit notes clearly that there is no march associated with the event. On the 4th of January 2021, Proud Boys leader Enrique Tario is arrested in D.C. and charged for burning a Black Lives Matter banner on December 12th and possession of two high-capacity firearm magazines that were in his possession at the time of arrest. Also on the 4th of January, Secretary of Defense Mike Miller issued orders which prohibited deploying D.C. Guard members with weapons, helmet, body armor, or riot agent without his personal approval. All these timelines are based on Wikipedia and Washington Post report. January 5th, a rally is held at Freedom Plaza near the White House to protest the certification of votes making Joe Biden President of the United States of America. The protest consists of a series of speakers and rallies. The first rally was the March to Save America from 1 to 2 p.m. in the afternoon, stopped the steal from 3 to 3.30, then subsequently to 5 p.m. And the 8 percenter coalition speaks from 5 to 8.30 p.m. in the evening. Thousands of election protesters and Trump supporters gather at the Freedom Plaza during the morning in advance of the planned protest later in the day. Also, on the 5th of January, Capitol Police Chief Stephen Son hold a teleconference with top law enforcement and military officials from Washington, D.C., including the FBI, the Secret Service, and the National Guard. Son later wrote, no entity provided any intelligence indicating that there will be a coordinated attack on the United States Capitol by thousands of well-equipped armed insurrectionists. Also on that same day, the U.S. House Representative Zoe Longfrey from California holds a teleconference with the Capitol Police Chief Stephen Son and the House Sergeant at Arms Paul Ivan. Son tells Longfrey that the National Guard is on standby and that Capitol Police are well-staffed and prepared for the protest. On that same day, after speaking with Representative Longfrey, Son retreats to Representative Tim Ryan of Ohio that the Capitol Police are prepared. Wow. Same day, DC National Guard Commanding uh, Officer Major General William J. Walker received new orders from the Secretary of the Army, Ryan McCarthy, stating that he must seek approval from McCarthy and Defense Secretary Miller before preparing to respond to any civil disturbance. Previously, he had authority to respond without seeking permission, but that has changed now. Also on the same day, at least 10 people were arrested during the evening and into Wednesday morning, severally with different arms and charges. Federal Protective Service officers noticed protesters trying to camp on federal property, all on the same day. So, on the day of the attack, that's uh, January 6th, at noon, former President Trump began a one-hour speech encouraging protesters to march to the U.S. Capitol. At 12.45 p.m., the Capitol Police responded to reports of an explosive device later identified as, as, a, later identified as a pipe bomb 
19 minutes before Trump ended his speech, routers overran the perimeter of the Capitol building. Interesting. At 2.44 p.m., a Capitol Police officer inside the speaker lobby adjacent to the House chambers shot and fatally wounded a rioter as she climbed through a broken window of a barricaded door. Minutes later, the governor of Virginia activated all available assets of the state of Virginia, including the Virginia National Guard, to aid the U.S. Capitol. Although the DOD, that's the Department of Defense, still had not authorized it, by 3 p.m., assets from Virginia began rolling into D.C. An hour later, at 4.17 p.m., a video of Trump was uploaded to Twitter in which he instructed, you have to go home now. 15 minutes later, Secretary Miller authorized the D.C. National Guard to deploy. So that's a summary of what happened on, on the 6th of January. But if we have to pick it time for time, let's do a brief timeline of January 6th. Because this first episode, we're just going to look at timeline. It's so we started from September all the way to January 6th. So we're in January 6th now. We take it some maybe a month or two after that. So in the second episode, we're going to analyze the details, look at what is in court, who has been arrested, and where it starts, including the Pelosi committee in the house. So still on January 6th, at 13 minutes after 1 a.m., Ali Alexandra stopped the still organizer tweet, first official day of rebellion. That's what it said. 3.23 a.m., Ron Watkins, image board administrator and prominent QAnon figure, posted a tweet accusing then Vice President Mike Pence of orchestrating a coup against Trump. 8.17 a.m., President Trump tweets allegation of vote fraud voter fraud stating states want to correct their vote which they know were based on irregularities and fraud plus corrupt processes never received legislative approval all mike pence has to do is send them back to the state and we win do it mike this is a time for extreme courage 9 a.m on the january on january 6 2021 at state time on permit for First Amendment rally, March for Trump speeches, the Save America rally, etc., etc. 9.45, a Federal Protective Service liaison officer informed the Capitol Police that more than the permitted 30,000 protesters were expected at the ellipse. The Freedom Plaza permit has increased from 5,000 to 30,000, and the protest outside the Sylvan Theater is now permitted to 15. 10.30 a.m., we're still on January 6th. Benjamin Phillips speaks from his group to pack, not reuniting but later dying from a stroke at George Washington University. Benjamin Phillips, we all know his story. 10.50 a.m. During Rudy Giuliani's speech, he calls for trial by combat. That's also very well known. 10.58 a.m. A proud boy contingent leaves the rally and marched towards the Capitol building. 11 a.m. The ellipse Located south of the White House is filled with Trump supporters. 11.30 a.m., Acting Secretary of Defense Christopher C. Miller participates in a tabletop exercise on Department of Defense contingency response outside of the DC, outside of Washington, D.C. So at 12 p.m., President Trump begins his over one hour speech. He repeats allegations that the election was stolen, criticizing Vice President Mike Pence by naming half a dozen times calling his name, accusing fellow Republicans of not doing enough to back up his allegation, stating that he will walk in the crowd to the Capitol. Also, at that time, a Federal Protective Service briefing email stated that there were about 300 Proud Boys at the Capitol. 1205, Representative Paul Gosa, very popular guy, 
tweets are Biden should concede and demand his concession by the next morning. 20 minutes after 12, a Federal Protective Service officer writes in an email, Putus is encouraging the protesters to march to Capitol ground. Okay, 12.30, crowd of pro-Trump uh, supporters gather outside the U.S. Capitol building. 12.49, Capitol Police respond to a report of a possible explosive device at the Republican National Convention. A police sweep of the area shows that M14 Kamai assault rifle with loaded magazine and components of uh, Molotov cocktails were found. So, 12.57, Federal Protective Service officers reported that the Capitol Police barricade on the west side of the Capitol building has been breached. I'm going through these details so that you can see the timeline of everything that went on that day so that when we do the proper analysis vis-a-vis -vis committee arrest made accusation allegation you understand what we're saying so at 12 58 p.m chief son asks house sergeant at arms paul id paul d ivan and sergeant at arms william c stanger to declare an emergency and call for deployment of of the national guard ivan and stenger that they will forward the request of their claims to the command Soon afterwards, aides of congressional leaders arrive in Stenger's office and are afraid to learn that he has not yet called for reinforcement. We're going to go to this step, uh, into this particular scenario deeper in the next uh, episode. Phone records obtained at the Senate hearing reflect that Son first reached out to Ivan to request the National Guard at 12.58, and on the day of the attack, Son then called the Senate sergeant at arm at the time. Michael Stinger at Five minutes after one, Son repeated his request in a call at 1.28 p.m. and then 1.34 p.m. and then 1.39 p.m. and then 1.45 p.m. that same day. 1 p.m., Senate, uh, Senators and Vice President Pence walk to the House chambers. Pence releases, releases a letter stating that the Constitution prevents him from unilaterally interfering in the 2021 United States Electoral College vote count. U.S. Capitol Police also at 1 p.m., that's Chief uh, Stevenson called the DC Metropolitan Police Chief Conte, who deploys 100 officers to the Capitol. Also, at 1.10, President Trump ended his speech by encouraging the crowd to march to the Capitol. At uh, 12 minutes after 1, Representative uh, Paul Gosa of Arizona, Senator Cruz, all objected to certifying the results and the votes made on 2020 presidential election. The joint session separates into House and Senate chambers to, to debate the objection. At 26 minutes after one, the U.S. Capitol Police order evacuation of at least two buildings in the Capitol complex, including the Cannon House building and the Madison building. At 1.34 p.m., the Capitol Police are overwhelmed and forced to retreat into the steps of the Capitol. Also at that time, large numbers of Trump supporters marched into the ellipse 1.5 miles down Pennsylvania Avenue towards the Capitol. Also at that time, that 1.34 p.m., D.C. Mayor Muriel Bruiser request via phone that Army Secretary Ryan D. McCarthy provide an unspecified number of additional forces. At 1.35, in Senate deliberation, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell warns that refusing to certify the result of presidential election under false pretenses will push American democracy into a dead spiral. Don't forget the topic, once again, is the January 6th insurrection, the facts and what it means for democracy. At 1.54 p.m., Todd Hennan, guest hosting the Rush Limbaugh show, then informed the large national radio audience of Brown claim that the people, Britain's security, are not Trump supporters. So, 158 along the east side of the capital, a much smaller presence 
retreat, uh, retreat from a different mall, removing the barrier along the northeast corner of the building. Just look at the timeline. 2 p.m., the mob re removes the last barrier protecting the east side of the capital. At 1.59 p.m., Chief Son received the first report directed out and breached the capital door and windows and were trying to break in. At 2.05, Kevin Garson is declared dead after suffering an heart attack outside uh, outdoors of the Capitol ground. Ten minutes after two, the mob west of the Capitol chased police up the step, breaching the final barricade and approaching an entrance directly below the Senate chambers. House Sergeant at Arms Ivan calls Chief Song with former approval to request assistance from Marshal Guard. Right after Dominic Pezzola breaks a window on the northwest side of the Capitol. That's at 12.11. 12, 12 minutes after 2, that's the, uh, the rioter, Dominic Pazola broke the window. That was at 11 minutes after 2. 12 minutes after 2 p.m. in the afternoon, the first rioter enters the capital through the broken window. 13 minutes after 2, Vice President Pence is removed from the Senate chamber to a nearby office. The Senate is gaveled into recess. At 12.14, the rioters chase a lone capital police officer, to the northwest stairs. There were, there were doors to the Senate chambers in both directions. As Representative Gosa speaks to the House again, certifying Arizona electoral results, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, is removed from the chambers by a protective detail. Federal Protective Service Officer report that the Capitol has been breached. That was exactly 2.16 in the afternoon. Federal Protective Service Officer report that the House and the Senate have been locked down. That's also at 2.16. So at 2.20 in the afternoon, the house is gathered into recess and starts to evacuate. So between 2.20 and 2.24, there were a lot of evacuation. So at 2.24, President Trump tweeted, Mike Pence have the courage to do what he should have done to protect our country and constitution. So given, a, given the state a chance to certify a correct set of facts, not the fraudulent or inaccurate one which they are asking uh, to previously certify. So, U.S. demands the truth. That was a tweet from Trump on that same day. That's at 2, 24 minutes after 2 in the afternoon. So, at 2.25, Army Secretary McCarthy orders staff to prepare movement and emergency reaction force, which should be ready in 20 minutes. So, to cut it all short, there were a lot of back and forth. 2.26, Trump calls Senator Mike Lee of Utah, and in Mr. Senator Toberville, that's a popular call. Those are still under investigation. So then the Capitol Police at 228. Capitol Police Division retreats his request for National Guard support to show up more perimeter of the Capitol. The Secretary of the Army, the Secretary of Defense, that's uh, Secretary Miller, Chairman Joint Chief of Staff, and Army Secretary met to discuss Capitol Police and DC government request. They were still haggling till 2.44. At 2.44, the popular rioter Ashley Babbitt is shot by Capitol Police while attempting to force entry into the Speaker's lobby adjacent to the House chambers. So on or around 3.04 p.m., Secretary Miller will advise, with advice from senior defense official, formally approve activation of 1,100 soldiers of the DC National Guard under Secretary McCarthy and then orders the DCNG to begin full mobilization. 3.05, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy started a phone-in interview on live TV with WUSA. At uh, 10 minutes after 3, Fairfax County, Virginia Deputy County Executive DeRora informs the county officials that county police have been dispatched to assist the Capitol Police. At 
three days after, 30 minutes after three, President Trump trips. I ask him for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. No violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. So, Speaker Pelosi, according after calls for the calls, the governor of Virginia, the uh, that's Governor Ralph Northam, and he confirmed to Speaker Pelosi that all assets of State Virginia, including National Guard, are being sent to aid the capital. The first asset of Virginia began rolling into DC. That's also about 3:20. So, 3:22, Rural Reform Fairfax County official that the country is suspending fire rescue and emergency operation and sending everything towards Washington DC. So until subsequently until 3.55, General Okansin has a phone call with Maryland Adjutant General, Major General Timothy Eagle, to discuss support for DC. So there were a lot of back and forth, nothing concrete yet. 4.05, President-elect Biden holds the press conference calling on President Trump to demand an end to the siege. 4.08, from a secure location, Vice President Pence phoned Christopher Miller, the acting Secretary of Defense. That was it. that was a clincher there. I think that was what really, what really changed it. Okay, the acting sec- the defense secretary was called by Pence to confirm the capital was not secure and asked military leaders for a deadline for security building while demanding the capital be cleared. So, 4:17, Trump uploads a video to his Twitter account, which uh, which he said, "I know your pain. I know you are hurt." We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election. Everybody knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect the great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period for of time. There has never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from us, from me, from you, from your country. This was Excuse me, this was a fraudulent election. But we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You are very special. You have seen what happens. You see the way we have been treated so badly and so evil. I know how you feel, but go home. Go home in peace. So at 4.15 p.m., Secretary Miller, Army Secretary McCarthy, General Okansi, and the rest of the D.C. National Guard, Metro Area Secretary Miller verbally authorizes mustering the deployment out of National Guard forces to DC. That was at 4:15, all the way from 1:15, 1:18 in the afternoon when the request was initially made. So then we're going through this timeline so that when we, we in the second uh, episode to this particular one, we're going to analyze the event properly because at Atlanta discourse. We just go for the facts. So we have quoted from the Washington Post. We have quoted from Wikipedia and uh, from CNN and other relevant journals just to get this all tangled up. Uh, you know. So what we have for you right now is that at 5.20, the first contingent, all the way, you can look at the timeline, at 5.20 p.m., the first contingent of 155 guard member dressed in, in riot gear began arriving at the capital. So that is the timeline all the way from September to when the guards arrive. So in the second episode, we're going to look at who should be held responsible. From the above, from the timeline, we're going to look at was the insurrection avoidable? Do you see any culpability on the part of legislator? Did President Trump inside the insurrection? Because here we just follow the part, we just follow the fact. And where does the fact lead us to? 
the GOG has arrested a lot of people already, about 535 people. 300 more are yet to be identified, including 200 believed to have assaulted police officers. So we're going to stop there today. Watch out for the part two of this tomorrow. We're not going to delay it till next week, Friday. I'm going to release the part two for you on Saturday. So have a lovely weekend. Once again, my name is Ade Balogun. I'm your host and anchor for Atlantic Discuss. And please look forward to the next bit where we're going to break down this with all the details you require. Thank you and have a blessed evening. Bye.